Life Audio. You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. It's midnight here in Los Angeles. And the reason I'm recording this so late is I'm interviewing Matthew Gretsch, who lives in Malta, which is in the Mediterranean between Sicily and Libya. And it's nine hours ahead for him. So it's 9 a.m. his time and it's midnight my time. And I have to be a little bit quiet because I don't want to wake up my neighbors. And you guys, uh, might know the island of Malta because that's where in Acts 28, that's where Paul is shipwrecked and he preaches the gospel to the Maltese. And uh, it's one of the first Christian Roman colonies. And, uh, and you might recognize Matthew Gretsch, his name, because he was, he's been in the news lately because he, uh, he was on a radio program recently and talked about how he left the homosexual life and, um, and, because he's a follower of Christ and that got in, got him into a lot of trouble with the government. And now the government is bringing a case against him and he could face prison time, which is crazy. So I'm, I want to talk to him about that. And I want to talk to him about his, his, his story of how he came to Christ. But first a word from our sponsor. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident, that was not your fault. Listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome, Matthew. Great to be uh, with you, Beckett, today. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So, yeah, um, your story is pretty incredible. And I want to get into kind of the the case that's being brought against you by the Maltese government. But before we do that, could you just tell us how you even came to faith in Christ to begin with? Because I think it, you were you live in Malta, but you were in London at the time, right, when someone evangelized you? That's right. Uh, yes, I was uh, in London. London for me was like represented the big city life away from my island <laughs> where I could kind of free myself to be who I felt I wanted to be at the time, you know. Um, and so I was in a relationship with a man and I hid it from my family because I didn't want them to know about it. And so and then how how long how old were you when you moved to London? I was 19 years old at the time. Uh, yes. So I wasn't uh, 
a Bible-believing Christian at the time, although I had a Catholic upbringing in Malta, but I, I wouldn't say I was born again through that. I, I had an, un, an understanding of the gospel, maybe a knowledge somewhere, but it wasn't enough to kind of bring me into the kingdom of God. In fact, I was pretty much into new age, looking, uh, looking into uh, new age books in bookshops and wanting to explore supernatural things, whatever, you know, I was looking for a higher power, definitely. I was fascinated by Reiki, the idea of laying hands on other people and healing them by the power of your intention and this mystical key energy. And uh, I even went to spiritualists because I sought divine guidance. I, I really had uh, a fear of my future um, mm. and a great insecurity related to my future. So I sought divine guidance the way I knew. And uh, I went to spiritualists to achieve that. And so how long did you live in London before before someone told you the gospel? Well, how did that happen? Actually, it happened pretty quick. Um, I think, it, well, there was a woman who helped me to find accommodation in London, and she was very kind to me, and I opened up about my interests, and she introduced me, well, she warned me, she told me, be careful, don't just let anyone lay hands on you, you never know what um, spirit those uh, people carry. And so at first I was a bit resistant uh, because it was my little thing that I was proud of. Um, but eventually she invited me to join one of the prayer meetings that she goes to. Uh, at the time it was London Church International. Now it became Kingsgate Church in Kingston. And so um, I wanted to kind of respect her and not be arrogant. And I said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll tag along. And I walk into this non-denominational space, nothing that I've ever seen. I'd ever seen before in my country, in Malta. Uh, not that Christian communities didn't exist in Malta, but I didn't know about them, didn't hear about them at all before. And um, yeah, and I'm just fascinated by the way these Christians worship and, and uh, their prayer language, their interest, their personal interest in my life, the way they approach me. The, I felt valued, accepted, uh, like I could belong to this community. And, and while you were so, so this at this time when you first went to this church, were you still dating this guy? Yes, um, I was actually. Uh, well, I, I I didn't tell people, but yes, I was in a relationship with him. He didn't come along with me at first, although eventually I managed to get him to come to church with me because, funnily enough, um, he had he had a, a a Christian background from his family. So somewhere the seed was there in him. He just simply wasn't willing to repent and give up homosexuality. So initially it was him who was warning me about new age, my ex-boyfriend. He was warning me about my interests and wasn't very comfortable with me laying hands on him to kind of impart this mm -hmm. energy to him. Uh, and so I actually saw something about the light in him. Um, at the time, something different about him, you know, this kind of a firmness in knowing that the Bible is the word of God. So somewhere he had that, but it just wasn't enough, you know, and, and then I walk into this church and I'm, I'm sold out for Jesus. Like at one point, the pastor points his finger at me in public saying, I sense that God wants to tell you that he really loves you. And God nails me with his divine love. And I buy my first Bible and I'm so hungry and thirsty <laughs> for the word of God. 
ready to give it all up. I don't care about my interests anymore. Don't care about my dreams to become a famous singer anymore. Jesus takes center stage. The word of God is the most important thing in my life. And it's that encounter, you know, where I laid down my Isaac, definitely. Um, so yeah. that was it. It was the that was the first. It was the first time you went to church that happened. Um, well, this was I think a few times because then I was invited to go to the main service as well, and I loved the worship there. and And that's where the pastor would have, was having words of knowledge about people. Um, and I was actually like that really fulfilled my longing to taste and experience the supernatural. The last place I thought I would encounter supernatural things was the church. You know, I didn't think, I didn't equate the church with supernatural before. But, right. you know, seeing people receiving prophetic words in a church setting, I thought, oh, wow, that is amazing, you know, that we can receive words from God who created the universe. It was just mind-blowing uh, to me. And so um, yeah. what happened when you told your boyfriend about this, about your conversion to Christ? <laughs> well, initially, you know, um, I invited him to come with me uh, and and he enjoyed it and everything. But it just marvels me that he wasn't he wasn't willing to repent or or like he wasn't passionate or zealous like I was maybe he just didn't have the same encounter as I did. I can't explain it, you know, but I ended up running for, with Jesus and he was just not running the same way, you know, like, and, and in fact, to be honest, I was sexually active at the time. And I noticed that as I grew in the things of the Lord, I didn't have a desire to be involved with him sexually anymore. It was like a byproduct of me, growing in my Christian faith. And mm -hmm. I realized I just, I just don't have this desire to do that. You know, like the Holy spirit was leading me. He was, he was doing it. And I hadn't even read Bible verses yet. Right. You know? So, uh, but I, I was just passionate about the presence of God because I was all about energy. So I noticed that when I spent time with this Jesus, I felt an intensity that, that I had never felt before. And I was addicted to the presence of God. It's like, I can feel him in the room. You know, I can feel the stick presence around me. This is amazing. It was like a drug for me. Um, and, uh, and then eventually I started reading Paul's writings and I, I read 1 Corinthians 6 or Romans 1 that say, you know, you can't inherit the kingdom of God if you're homosexual. And that just rocks my world. Like, Okay, is that talking about me? Because for me, it feels natural. Um, it feels like it's part of who I am. So mm -hmm. it can't be. It can't be referring to me. Maybe it's referring to straight guys who mess around. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. But me, like for me, it's natural. That's how I thought. But I, I was diligent with the word of God and with God himself. And I, I didn't have a piece about my reasonings. So I decided to pray about everything. And I just said, Lord, I want you to show me the truth, even if it costs me my relationship or whatever. Like, I'm willing. I just want to be at peace with you. Just show me the truth. And I was studying these uh, Greek words for homosexuality. And I found out that in, the, in that context, it was referring to the practice, not the feeling. Mm -hmm. And I was so I introduced, I was introduced to, to this 
this idea of separation between same-sex attraction and same-sex behavior. And I understood, wow, so if, if, if it's about behavior um, and, and that homosexuality is an act, then if I repent from it, if I, if I desist, if I stop it, then God doesn't call me a homosexual. I'm no longer convicted of homosexuality. And when I understood that, it brought me so much hope and this heaviness left my body because I realized that actually um, I don't like I can be set free from this label. I never wanted to be a homosexual anyway. That's why I hid it from my family. For me, it was just not something that I was willing to celebrate in my life. Yeah. Um, it's just that I felt like I had no other option. Nobody, nobody, for instance, uh, introduced me to the concept that although we don't choose our feelings, we can make choices around those feelings. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the word of God gave me. It's that hope that I don't have to be a victim anymore of unwanted homosexuality. Um, and, uh, you know, being sexually active as a homosexual was also uncomfortable because for me, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like it was uh, complimentary. It just, I just wasn't happy with this thing. We'll be right back after this short break. Yeah, I mean, I ta I've talked about that before on the show. It's, even when I was living that life and I identified as gay and I had many boyfriends, I, it's like in Romans 1 when Paul says, you know, they, we, when he talks about suppressing the truth, he uses the illustration of homosexual behavior. Uh -huh. And, and I, I was actively suppressing the truth. And I think deep, deep, deep down, I knew that something was wrong with it. I knew that this isn't natural, even just as a secular person, like before I was a Christian, I, I just knew like, this is not natural, like even in an Aristotelian kind of way, this is not natural. And so, um, so I understand that. And so how long did you stay in London before you moved back to Malta? Uh, so I spent two years and a half in London. I was you know, excited to share the gospel. And eventually I felt like it was time to come back to Malta. I thought I was going to be this apostle to bring the full gospel of Jesus Christ to Malta. But then I found out that there are communities in Malta. And I just thought, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's um, funny because Paul, Paul, the apostle, brought the gospel to Malta in, you know, Acts 28, um, which is amazing. Right. Yes, it's true. So, uh, uh, eventually, I joined an apostolic uh, church in Malta. By apostolic, I, I just mean that it's a church that is influential, that does reach a nation, and it's very active. Uh, and so, yeah, and and eventually, I'm I'm sharing my testimony with the brothers and sisters there, and and I I meet other folks who left LGBT who are also part of this church. So. Um, at one point, the pastor, my pastor, uh, Pastor Gordon from River of Love, he had a, this thought to organize an event called Gay No More Changed by the Love of Christ, set up a Facebook page for it. And he said, let's have a night where we, it's all about ex-LGBT testimonies in our church, you know. And he published this and the LGBT lobby heard about it and they, they got really upset. And they showed up before our church premises. Please note, we're not celebrating our testimonies out in the streets, although we have every right to do that. This was in our church 
home, house, mm-hmm. and they showed up before our premises. So what would they have done if we took it to the streets, you know? Um, and so they tried to intimidate, you know, they took it personally and, uh, you know, it's all about them. Whereas, you know, what about us? Like, what about our identities? Can't we be celebrated as well? You know, kind of thing. But yeah, so I think that started, it, it sparked a, 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 a more clear feud between the LGBT lobby and our church, not because we don't walk in love, but because we speak the truth, you know, that's yeah. free. Um, and so eventually, uh, further down the line, some laws were being introduced in Malta that were concerning us. Uh, more recently, in 2016, Malta initially was discussing this conversion practices bill, and uh, we heard about it as a church. And um, uh, we met with the lawmakers before it became an act. And and what was this conversion? Uh, what was the bill? It was. It's basically saying that um, ad, uh, so-called conversion practices are defined as being attempts or interventions with the aim to reduce, uh, you know, sexual or change sexual orientation, gender identity or gender expression. They're seen as interventions against. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, you can change your gender any day you want to, but that's, but you can't, you know, (laughs) you can't think, because I'm I'm reading this now. It says the, the, the act it's called article three of chapter 567. The law defines quote conversion practices as quote, any treatment practice or sustained effort that aims to change repress and or eliminate a person's sexual orientation gender identity and or gender expression which is totally insane because as i just said people now can change their genders and identities every other day so it's doesn't even make any sense this law doesn't make sense it doesn't and it's actually contradictory because um, if if I want to be affirmed as a heterosexual, that law should protect. It actually does protect me, because yeah. I, I, you know. Um, but I think you know they just haven't thought about all the scenarios there. Um, we we had a meeting with with the lawmakers at the time. They assured us that it was not going to affect us. That this one was with the aim of you know protecting young people. Uh, from being forced into some scenarios and even adults from being forced uh, into uh, therapy or counseling, etc. And at the time, I feel that we gave uh, away too much ground, but I, I don't think we knew better at the time. Um, and we we just thought, well, you know, if this doesn't affect us as a church, that's the most important thing. But I don't think we saw value in sticking up for uh counselors and professionals who do this work i think you know as a church we we do believe in their right uh to practice their disciplines you know just like every other counselor and psychologist etc yeah i mean just in my own life as i mean everyone knows from my book it's like i was molested when i was nine years old by my friend's father and of course, I should be able to get counseling about that, you know, from it was like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I be able to get counseling for that traumatic event? 
and which, you know, ch- changed the course of my life in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so it's, yeah, it's crazy that, that you can't, you can't seek help <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for, you know, unwanted, whatever, un- you know, for trauma, for unwanted same sex attraction, whatever it is. I mean, it's crazy yeah. that you can seek help for anything else, but just not that. Yes, it's it really is tormenting for for people with unwanted uh, desires uh, or mm-hmm. necessities. So, yeah, um, and eventually, uh, fast forward two two years after, in two thousand and eighteen, I'm on X Factor Malta, and in one of the pre audition interviews, I sh- shared a bit about my story and the fact that I left homosexuality, that I now pursue Jesus, <laughs> that I'm happy, you know. I know it's a strange thing to say uh, in X Factor, and it wasn't my plan. In fact, I said, Lord, this time I'm going to go on a covert mission. I'm not going to share the gospel until the appointed time. But um, I just got really comfortable in one of the pre-audition interviews, and I was sharing a lot of the stuff, uh, including the fact that I now stand for biblical marriage between one man and one woman. <laughs> um, and uh, And before it it was aired, I actually had a meeting with the production team because one of the judges at Expector Malta was a bit concerned that I was very vocal about my faith. And they really believed in me that I could do well in the competition. And they kind of wanted to protect me. They said, if you speak a lot about this stuff, you might just put people off. <laughs> and, and so before my interview was broadcasted, I had a meeting with a producer of Expector Malta. And he said, Matthew, we don't find anything wrong with what you said. You had every right to say it. And so we're going to bear it, you know? And so it happened, but it was a real storm because people were very hostile in the comments. And please note, right after my audition was broadcasted, they broadcasted the audition of a lesbian couple who competed together uh, during X Factor Malta, getting engaged. They were talking about their engagement story. Nobody said anything about that. That was perfectly normal and fine. Of course, but yeah. Me, that was like, that was so damaging. What is he saying? He's harming young people who are coming out as LGBT and confusing them. And the Minister of Equality discussed it in Malta's parliament as well. She believed at the time that my comments should not have been allowed to be aired I emailed her desiring to reach out and form some kind of relationship with this poor woman. And she comes back to me saying, my problem is not with you. My problem is with the Maltese national broadcaster, basically. And she, you know, she was trying to reach out to them, condemning them for allowing my views to be shared with mm-hmm. the rest of Malta on such a high prime time program. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but the the news went out to the nations and i got to know about some ex-lgbt ministries um around the world including the change movement fearless identity in america uh, core issues trust in the uk mike davidson and his work and so i was really um you know surprised by what god was doing through all of this and one of the judges sent me a very like uh intense email saying oh you ruined your career look what you did you know it was like doom and gloom i knew it was from the enemy but then i saw like one week after i get this invitation from mike davidson in the uk to kind of 
go to nations and share my story and promote my music with him, etc. was really fun and encouraging of God to do that. Mm. Um, so, okay, that happens. And now I find myself in ex-LGBT activism, a bit more involved, enjoying this process, uh, getting more freedom for myself, growing an understanding of my roots as well in this whole thing, dealing with same-sex attraction in my life and a whole new world opened up before me. And so, and and then, yeah, because you were part of a, what was the, it's um core, yeah, core, it's called, the nonprofit is called Core Issues Trust, right? Yes. That you were, you're a part of. Yes, that's right. And so what happened, so tell us what happened recent, I think, I guess this was recent when you were on a radio program, that's when this all went down. So tell us the details of the the, the program, what you said on the program that set, that um, basically had set in motion the government kind of bringing this case against you. Yes. So uh, more recently, so I had many opportunities to share my story on national uh, TV in Malta. Uh, recently, there was this liberal platform called PM News Malta. And uh, two hosts wanted to ask me questions about my story. Um, and frankly, I didn't know much about, you know, what they had in mind. I just knew they wanted to ask me, uh, onto their show because they knew I had a different perspective around sexuality. So I was just ready for any question really. Um, and so I show up, we're having this good conversation. It's scientific, it's spiritual, it's practical. It was a good one. It went on for about an hour and a half, two hours. Um, I was, they were asking me about counseling and I made it clear. I said, I'm not a licensed counselor or psychologist. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. Yes, I am active and vocal about my experience in my country and in other nations, but I'm not a counselor. But I know a little bit about what happens because I am associated with ministries who offer help and support to ex-LGBT identifying people. So I, I, I did my best. I quoted some good scientific research as opposed to ideological arguments that don't work. Mm -hmm. um, but that happened. It was good. You know, I think this, this page had something like 500 followers. It, it was just very small and emerging. And, and how long, how long, when was this interview? When this did this was take in April 2022. Okay. Yes. And, um, a few weeks after I receive a phone call from the police and I am told that I have to show up at the police station. I go there accompanied with my lawyer. We exercise our right to be silent. We're told that three people reported us to the police in Malta over this interview, claiming that we advertised conversion practices. Like conversion therapy, yeah. Uh, why? Because we mentioned an organization uh, called the International Federation for Therapeutic and Counseling Choice that brings professionals together from across the world, including pastoral workers who have a different view about sexuality that is not LGBT conforming or affirming. Right. Um, and also because of the discussion that went on, 
uh, during the program, you know, probably also discussing counseling. I'm not sure whether they had an issue with my story, but probably that as well. Um, and, and so, okay, you know, and when I read the names and I look up these names, well, one of them already struck a chord with me because it was, there was a, another person with the same name and surname that clashed with me publicly, um, Silvana Jews, that's his name. Uh, and he's the cabinet expert of uh, uh, the Commissioner for Equality in the EU. So anyway, these three folks, I believe, have direct links with the Maltese government, direct links with the European Union, direct links with transnational organizations like ILGA Europe that are behind top LGBT, LGBT policy on a global scale, mm-hmm. and also um, direct links with the Malta gay rights movement. So I realize that I am dealing with Goliaths here, like right. champions of the LGBT world kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so eventually, um, you, you know, we find ourselves in the situation, three of us, the two hosts and myself are co-accused as having advertised conversion practices um, simply because we had a discussion that does not appeal to the lgbt lobby but what what about free what is the what about free speech in malta what's what's the constitution in malta i mean do is do you have freedom of expression and freedom free speech yes yes so uh, there are also there has been the introduction of hate speech laws in malta but essentially the allegations um you know were about advertising conversion practices but yes we do believe that there are international human rights and also our constitution, uh, the highest law of the land, really, that protects us in this scenario. And it's also worth mentioning that the same um, law that you just quoted, Beckett, uh, uh, chapter 567, actually also tells you what conversion practices is not. Hmm. Uh, and, And so there is, I feel, tremendous power in that argument. Um, and it's, it's also on our side. Um, but in reality, my issue altogether is with this law. I don't, I don't believe uh, this law should have any place in our country and in any country. It does take away parents' rights to guide their children when it comes to sexuality as well, which I think is very concerning. Yeah. You know, like it's introducing this idea, don't touch the minors. Don't you dare influence the minors. Well, what about parents? Are you, as the state, as the government, making yourself to be the educated, the prime educator of children? That is super concerning. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very intimidating. And, uh, and of course, uh, the law has a lot of contradictions. It's, it criminalizes professionals for uh, offering advice that is non-LGBT affirming, uh, but at the same time, it only condemns, seems to condemn forced uh, therapy, you know, and it's like, okay, so if people come voluntarily and they, you know, it's like this differentiation between legal conversion practices and illegal conversion practices. That's what section three says, illegal conversion practices. So therefore, it's basically saying, um, that there is such a thing as legal conversion practices. They're the ones that are voluntary and not forced, practically, and the ones that are not performed on vulnerable people. 
So, okay, so if there are legal conversion practices, then how is it that professionals can't offer this service? So are you saying that uh, you are encouraging an unprofessional uh, type of support for, to these people? It's very confusing. I hate it. I can't wait for this law to be reversed. It's ridiculous. And so where does your, where does your case stand right now? What's, what's happening right now? Um, so right now I am thankful for my amazing lawyer in Malta. Her name is Janice and two other lawyers in Malta are assisting and also a Christian concern in the UK are assisting, uh, have assisted with some arguments as well. Very kind. Um, so tomorrow, Friday, the 3rd of February, is the first hearing. We call them summary proceedings in Malta. So it very well could all happen on one day. Uh, it could not as well. It depends on the scenario, it depends on the magistrate. Um, but if I am found guilty, if the magistrate decides that I'm guilty, I am liable to a fine of up to 5,000 euros in my country. And I am I can also be liable to uh, up to five months in prison. Wow. And so how are you just kind of emotionally about that? You seem to be, you know, you seem to be at peace about it and joyful. Like, so, but how are you doing just emotionally about all of this kind of stuff going on? Yeah. So I have mixed emotions. As you said, I, um, I rejoice that I'm counted worthy to, suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus and for the gospel. That is a cause of joy for me. Um, at the same time, I'm very grieved uh, to see my country reject the gospel and to submit to woke ideology. And many times it's it's not the prime minister or the president. Many times it's, it's those underneath, you know, similar to the time of Daniel when it wasn't Darius because Dar Daniel had favor with King Darius. It was more about... Uh, the, the 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 governors underneath King Darius mm -hmm. who were trying to stir up things against Daniel, and I feel like it's it's very similar. You know, it's these influential LGBT activists who have a personal agenda. Some of them are even married to to a person of the same sex. You know, uh, and so um, I, I'm I'm concerned about Europe in, in general, the future of Europe, but also the world. This is a global issue, and. Uh, so it grieves me because I, I believe that people, most people out there are sheep. They follow. They follow politicians. They follow what the media says. And so the, the issue really is media here and, and ungodly voices in government that affect the top leadership in our civil authorities. So that I also feel that sense of grief and responsibility to 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 play a role in this battle because the Christians are clearly churches are clearly under attack the Bible is under attack you know the Bible and the future could be seen as uh, advocating for conversion practices because of what it says about homosexuality mm -hmm. so it, it wouldn't shock me to see that uh, you know, maybe it's time to ban the Bible because, or to change what it says. No, I know. I can see that as well. And I've said this before on the show that, you know, so many churches in the, in the United States 
so many kind of formerly solid evangelical churches are now caving to the culture and and a lot of a, a lot of pastors and are giving into the, are are becoming slowly but surely are becoming gay affirming and i i've said this before but i think like in 10 years i think you know i i think the majority maybe the majority of churches in america will be gay affirming i mean certainly the main mainline denominations <laughs> are already there but most of them but um but i yeah i this is this is a big problem here as well um and in california there is there's a ban on i'm pretty sure it's illegal on conversion therapy but just for minors at this point it's not for adults people okay. over 18 so but i can see you know how that could eventually spread and uh expand to adults as well across the country and so it's kind of it's we live in very strange time it feels like at the end times right it feels very strange yes <laughs> yes but i'm so like i'm so thankful for people like you who i mean you remind me of shadrach meshach and abednego who just <laughs> were you know were willing to go into a fiery furnace rather than compromise god's word by one iota i always say that but um i'm thankful for people like you who stand up for the truth and instead of caving to the culture caving to lies from the enemy lies from satan himself Amen. and um so i'm so happy but how can people number one help help you and number two how can they get a hold of you if you if you want them to thank you um so i think uh you know there's a lot of prayer support and i, I think if anything um I think, you know, we have to seek God's interests first. And I think uh, we we can all play our role and part in uh, activism here to prevent these laws from entering other regions or else to reverse them where they have been uh, set into motion. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think if that's my desire, actually, uh, that, you know, we would we would contribute to the reversal of these laws in various countries in the world. Um, I think prayer support is always appreciated, you know, um, and I, I don't feel that I'm lacking that at the moment because I, I, I'm seeing a powerful remnant across the world that is that is watchful, that is active. You know, yes, there are compromising churches, compromising Christians are everywhere in the world, but there is a watchful remnant that God has reserved for himself. And I'm excited to see it manifest um, in this hour, you know? Yeah. So, it's like, uh, this, it's like the separating of the wheat and the terrors is happening right now. Amen. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, people can reach me on uh, Instagram. I, I think is Instagram more popular than Facebook in America. It depends on the, so Facebook is popular with kind of an older age group and Instagram okay. is popular with kind of younger. So <laughs> the boomers <laughs> and the Gen Xers are on Facebook and then the millennials are, and everyone else is on Instagram. So, but yeah, Instagram, I mean, I think, yeah, Instagram is more popular here, I think in general. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I think on social media really would be fine. Um, I'm trying to keep up with, uh, messages at the moment but i'm enjoying it enjoying the process not overwhelming myself but 
really loving hearing from other brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. I think we're just going to wait to see now what happens tomorrow. Um, I don't know how far up this is going to go. And I think the needs will change according to where this is going to go now. So, you know, I guess we'll just keep in touch and be yeah. the that we are and, and see what the Lord does. But I, I do believe that God is going to turn it around for our good. And don't we see a repeated pattern in the Bible where, you know, what, what the enemy tries to do or perform against us, God will turn it around and he will regret what he tried to do to the body of Christ. <laughs> Amen. So um, Amen. I'm, I'm believing for, for the manifestation of that. Well, thank you. Thank you for fighting the good fight of the faith. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and keep us, yeah, keep us posted, you know, message me on Instagram because I'll keep um, everyone out there kind of updated on your, your case and, and uh, yeah, keep us updated, but thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's my pleasure to meet you because uh, you're very respected across the world. Uh, for the nope. work. So, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. I knew about you before. Um, you reached out. So I thank God for the grace of God o o over your life and your ministry. Well, thank you, Matthew. And thank you guys for watching. And we will keep you posted on Matthew's story. And we will see you next time on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Thank you to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find more faith-centered podcasts about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.